0: We are continuing our study of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20. Uh, We are to the fourth commandment. We've been looking at it a little bit already. It uh, is spelled out for us, Exodus 20, beginning at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. To keep it holy is to keep it set apart, to keep it as God's day. Six days, verse 9, you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day, Day is a Sabbath, and the word literally means a rest. So the seventh day is a rest to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock, your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day... Not the seventh, but the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Uh, We haven't gotten into, I'm going to uh, do a sermon soon on what are Sabbath day activities. Well, we've looked at it a little bit. But this morning I want us to think about just the designation of the day itself. For a long time, the church has been meeting now on Sunday as the day of rest. And some people say, well, that's all wrong because it was the seventh day and everybody knows the seventh day was Saturday. So why is the church meeting on Sunday when the church should be meeting on Saturday? Isn't that just wrong? When I was in uh, college, I rented a house uh, one summer from a seven-day Adventist. And he saw me go to church on Sunday while he worked and then i saw him go to church on saturday which was right next door to my house that i was renting while he uh while i worked so he's going on saturday i'm going on sunday he invited me to his church i invited him to mine that wasn't working so at some point i said well let's just get a look, get together in dialogue why do we do this differently he believed, and I asked him for his belief, he says it came from Helen G. White's book on page 559, so I had to read a lot of pages to get to 559, but he believed that if you worshiped God on Sunday, and it seemed like we were worshiping the same God, but he said if you worship God on Sunday, you are habitually desecrating the the Sabbath command, the fourth commandment, you are in constant weekly disobedience so you can't possibly be a true believer. And further, not only are you constantly in disobedience by worshiping on Sunday and not Saturday, as he did, according to Helen G. White's book, you have the mark of the beast upon you and are clearly going to hell. So this is a big deal to some people. Why do we worship God on Sunday? When did God switch it from Saturday to Sunday? And what's the justification for that? And it's amazing to me. I can talk to someone, uh, even last uh, yesterday, I was talking to somebody who's been in church and uh, serving the Lord for uh, 90 years. I said, I said, you know what I'm preaching on tomorrow, and I shared with it, and they said, well, that's a good subject. Why why do we worship on Sunday? And I'm thinking, okay, for 90 years you've been in church, you never thought about that, and you've not worked through that. So that's the reason for this message. It's very practical. It's something we do every week. Why do we do it Sunday as opposed to Saturday? So I want to give you seven reasons why we worship God on Sunday as opposed to Saturday. To Saturday. Number one, because Sunday is the day Jesus chose. Sunday is the day Jesus chose for his church to get together. It's the day he chose to meet with his church. I'm going to share, share just a few of those references. Look at Matthew 28. You usually come across this uh, during the Easter season. Matthew 28, first couple of verses there you see the reference. Matthew 28, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, so that was the Jewish Saturday, after the Sabbath, towards the dawn, and here we have a clear distinction, of the first day of the week, that's our Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake, quake, and an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Um, Down to verse 9. And behold, Jesus met them and said greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. So the first worship really after the resurrection here with these women. uh, Seeing Jesus for the first time after he's come up from the dead. Is on the first day of the week. And you get that story over and over. I'm not going to go through all of them, but there are 11 recorded meetings between Jesus and his disciples after the resurrection. Of those 11, six tell us specifically what day of the week it was that he was meeting. Six out of six was Sunday. Six out of six. When Jesus chose to meet with his church after the resurrection, he chose to meet on Sunday. Every time he tells us specifically the day, that's the day it was. It was Sunday. It was not Saturday. It was the first day of the week, not the seventh day of the week. Christ wants us to meet on the first day of the week. He's a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. He's a God who has a very specific plan. This is not arbitrary that he met six out of six times on Sunday. Um, And you begin to see that example over and over and over through um, the Scripture. The first day of the week. It's kind of like me walking into the shop and seeing my brother uh, doing some activity with my father's electric drill. And I said, what in the world are you doing? Did Dad say you could use that drill? You know, you don't don't know how to use that. You don't know what you're doing. That's Dad's drill. And he says, Dad said I could use it. Like, bam. I can't do anything with that. Dad's Lord of the tools. If if, if Dad says you can use it, you can use it. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. If he says we're going to do it, On Sunday, we're going to do it on Sunday. Jesus chose Sunday as the day for worship, as the day to meet with his disciples, as the day for further instruction and discipleship and teaching. That's the day Jesus chose. He didn't choose any other day but that. And you'll see more and more of the reason for that as we go through it. Let's look at the second reason. Sunday is the day the apostles chose Now, that's significant. Why? Because Jesus met with the disciples, the apostles, ones I'm talking about here, for three years, training them on how to do church. He says, I'm going to die. I'm going to be resurrected. I'm going to ascend into heaven, and I'm going to train you to do church, to establish the church, to build up my church. I'm here to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, but I'm going to entrust you. To plant churches in every nation, tribe, and tongue, and build my church. The apostles who were trained by Christ chose Sunday as the day to do church. I'll give you a few examples. Look at John 20, John chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Um, Just skip on down. Verse uh, 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. So he met with them on the first day of the week. Eight days later would put it on the first day of the week again. And he meets with them then. Uh, Jesus meets with his disciples. They sat at Christ's feet. And they learned from Christ. Their activity was to be trained by Christ. Christ says, we meet on Sunday. I want you to go forth with my spirit. And I want you to teach the church. And they began teaching the church to rest. Not on Saturday, but on Sunday. And they taught that Um it's kind of like, well, when are we going to meet again? When, when is this church assignment, because they haven't been doing church before, when is this church assignment due? Well, eight days from now, it'll be the first day of the week next week, and the first day of the week after that. It's kind of like you can go to your teacher in class and ask, when's the assignment due? What am, what am I required to do? The teacher knows. The answer to that question, and Jesus knew, and the apostles knew, and they designated the Sabbath rest, or that day of rest, was established to be on the first day of the week. When the apostles trained up the church, it was on the first day of the week, over and over and over, never on Saturday. Third, Sunday is the day offerings were collected. It's interesting, the first missionaries that went out. Paul and Barnabas, they already had now established, by planting churches in various places, meeting on the first day of the week, they go back around to those churches and say, there's a church in Jerusalem that's in great need, and if all the churches could give a little, we could help them out. And so, they wanted to collect offerings from those early churches. And Paul specifically says when to do it. Look at 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2 first corinthians 16 so we know and that's why we have these offering plates up here and now we have electronic means to give which many of us do you can give throughout the week and you can use our church app but you can still give after you get here you just hit the app and it says send Um, and your offering is given on this day you can do designated giving online so it transfers out on this day we we still think that way and this is one of the reasons for it first corinthians 16 the first couple of verses says now concerning the collection for the saints as i directed the churches of galatia so that's a that's a number of churches in the region of galatia it's not only the galatian church but the ephesian church other churches and he's talking about the Corinthian church. He says, I've directed other churches, so you also, I'm directing you also to do this. Verse 2, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there, may, there will be no collecting when I come. It's like, I'm, I'm coming to collect an offering for the Jerusalem saints and I don't want to get there and say, you know, this is the issue and I need some help for the Jerusalem saints. And I don't want to look out at my congregation and say, and the congregation say, oh, I forgot it was this week. And then Paul's off and he can't come back for years. It's like, let's, we don't want that to happen. So y'all, as you, on the first day of the week, why first day of the week? Because that's when you're meeting You're meeting the first day of every week. When you meet the first day of every week to worship, take up a collection every week. So when I come, it's ready. And I don't have to wonder, because I've been telling them relief is in sight. We're going to give, and we're going to help them out. So the first day of the week was a common day for the church to meet. It was regular. It was a great time to take up offerings together together and minister together to other saints who were in need. That's the day the Holy Spirit was moving people to give above their tithes to relieve others and help them, uh, because that was the day of worship. Fourth reason we see in the Scripture that Sunday has become our rest day. Sunday is the day for rejoicing in Christ's resurrection. This is cool. First time I saw this, I mean, I... I was excited. You've heard me as a pastor many times do our announcements or start our worship by saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us, and I ask you to say, rejoice and be glad in it. You know that phrase. Where does it come from? Look at Psalm 118. Let me show it to you. Psalm 118, verse 22 through 24. Psalm 118 22 through 24 says this. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That's key, foundational stone of the building. This is the Lord's doing. didn't just happen arbitrarily. God does what He does for a reason. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now, Notice the context. It's not just this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What is the day? The day Christ is made the chief cornerstone. Is made the foundation of the church. That's the day. That this day is specified by the context. And what is cool to realize is how the apostles understood it. This is part of their training. So let's look at the apostles' uh, understanding of Psalm 118. Look at Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 8. And here's the commentary, really, on Psalm 118. So Acts chapter 4. Peter... Is before this council of in the temple of Sadducees questioning him. And this is his response to them. Acts 4, beginning at verse 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if you are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you... And to all of the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you. Well, this Jesus is the stone. Remember the stone in Psalm 118. Jesus is the stone. He's the cornerstone that was rejected by you. Understand the analogy. You're picking out stones to build a building and and a wall. And as as you look, you say, that's not good. And you cast that one aside. He says, this stone, Christ, is one you picked up and you threw it aside. You didn't think it had value. You didn't think it mattered. You didn't use this stone. You rejected this stone. That's the analogy he's bringing before them. You were the builders of God's temple, of God's place, and you rejected Christ? Really? Whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you. This man is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become this cornerstone. So even though you rejected Christ, he has become the cornerstone of the church. And there is salvation, he goes on, in no one else but Christ. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's the language. Where did did Peter get this? He's quoting from Psalm 118. And the next phrase in Psalm 118, this is the day the Lord has made the day when the builders reject the stone and the stone is still erected it's the chief cornerstone it's christ the church is built this is the day to rejoice because we now have the church of the living god on earth and it's built upon christ this is the day rejoice and be glad in it when was christ crucified friday in the grave saturday when did he rise sunday This is the day the Lord has made to rejoice and be glad in it. On Saturday, He's still working. He's still dealing with sin. He's still dealing with Satan. He's still doing what He does to take on the sin of the world. On Sunday, He is raised gloriously victorious over death, over sin over Satan. This is a day to rejoice and be glad in it. That's the day that we were looking for. That's the day God's provided. Sunday is the resurrection day. It's the day. It's kind of like uh, the seventh day or the rest day was established because God created the world, Genesis 2, in six days. And he rested on the seventh day. So the seventh day is a remembrance of creation and all that God has done. And it blows us away, all that he could do in six days. But the first day of the week, now adding to creation, Christ comes, he dies, he was buried for our sin, then he was raised for our victory. And the first day is a remembrance of his redemptive work. That's now been added to his creation work. A way to redeem his creation. It was a day established. For great rejoicing. The day when Christ becomes. The cornerstone of his church. Strong argument. Given to us by God. Given to us by the psalmist. Given to us by Peter. As Sunday being the day. Of great rejoicing. So when you. When you wake up, I hope you have the experience I have many Sundays. I wake up and I say, Is it Sunday yet? Do you ever have that experience? I, sometimes I I need a calendar. You know, I have to look at my computer. What day is it? Oh yeah. It's Sunday. This is the day. And I have this experience. Oh yes, this is the day the Lord has made. First church to gather. This is the day we sing praises. This is the day we rejoice. It's, it's not a mystery why we do Sunday. Because God's ordained it. Christ chose it. The apostles used it. Um, it was the day for Sabbath day activities. Sunday activities like offerings and the Lord's Supper. Those were stuff the early church was doing weekly on the first day. It is the day for great rejoicings. Um, fifth, I want you to get, give you three more. Fifth, Sunday is the day Christ rejoiced in his new heavens and his new earth. Um, Psalm 60, excuse me, Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65. And I won't have time to unpack this now, but I will in my discipleship class. Uh, I'm spending the time this morning in discipleship class going through the book of Isaiah and looking at every reference to new heavens and new earth because that's a great phrase that God brings up in the book of Revelation and in the book of 2 Peter. And people say, well, I'm waiting for the new heavens and new earth, but you, people don't have a, a clue what, what they are because they haven't studied Isaiah, who is the foundation for all of this. So look at Isaiah 65, verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. Uh, great passage. I'm, I'm going to just jump over to chapter 66. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstools. What is the house that you would build for me? And what he's talking about here, Isaiah, you know, comes five hundred years before Christ, and the people of God are getting taken to to Babylon to be slaves, to be in exile for this period of time, for Christ to show up. And Isaiah speaking, Christ is going to show up, and when Christ shows up. I'm going to show you a new heaven and a new earth. Is he talking about something that happens in the first century? Is he talking about something that happens at the end of the world? Well, he's talking about something that's definitely new and it's glorious. And he says, you're going to rejoice. And Jerusalem, which is now being destroyed by the Babylonians, as Isaiah was speaking, he says, this place is going to be a place of joy. When Christ shows up, it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. He was looking forward to this new covenant, a new beginning that was going to take place on Resurrection Sunday. He was looking forward to Christ coming. Um, The old national church was going to be done away with. Isaiah said, I'm looking forward to Christ with all authority saying, now go into every nation, tribe, and tongue and spread my name. Abroad and let the Word of God cover the earth like water covers the sea. So I'm looking forward to that new creation, that new heaven, that new earth that's going to come with Christ. And it comes on Resurrection Sunday. It's a time to celebrate a new covenant with God, a new resurrection provided by Christ. It's a redemptive work. Just don't have, there's just so much theology in Isaiah to deal with, but, but, but study uh, the chapters, uh, chapter 1, chapter 13, chapter uh, 65, chapter 66, on new heavens and new earth in Isaiah, and, and you begin to see how he was looking for Christ. And then you get to Second Peter, and you get to Revelation um, 20, 21, and the new heavens and new earth begin to open up for you as uh, the Lord's day of God's order and his structure to build his church in every nation, tribe, and tongue. As a matter of fact, it's interesting that Revelation chapter 1 is the only place in the Bible where it says John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. It was the Lord's day, Sunday, resurrection day, the day where he said, I'm Lord of the Sabbath, and I want to do something new and great with my people. So, again, Sunday is the day Christ rejoiced in new heavens, in new earth, in taking his church to the world. Number six, Sunday is the day to commemorate final redemption. You have a principle about redemption in the Old Testament, and I just want to take that principle and apply it in the New Testament. You might think this is a stretch, but I don't think so. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. I think we already have a clear example that... There's no other day but Sunday for the church. Uh, But here's a principle. Deuteronomy 5, uh, verse 15 says, You shall remember. So this is a principle. It's something you should do. That you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So it's interesting. With this principle to remember, you shall remember that you were slaves. And that's one of the reasons... Well, I've commanded you to keep this day of rest. You, you remember. It's a day for you to stop and reflect and remember. Well, none of us were slaves in Egypt, right? So we're having a hard time with this. How, and so we can't apply it the same way they can, but we have a principle. The principle is there, there's that time in our life where God has redeemed us. And yes, God's not only redeemed us from slavery, but he's redeemed us from being a slave to sin, bondage to sin, He's redeemed us from Satan's grasp and Satan's domain. He's brought us into the kingdom of His Son, into the kingdom of light. The principle is the Sabbath day, the day of rest, should be a day to reflect on redemption. Just as the Old Testament was a day to reflect on creation, He already enters into the principle, it should also be a day to reflect on redemption. In the New Testament, the redemption that we're reflecting upon is our redemption from sin. Uh, I don't think we should ignore that. That this is the day. When will we be redeemed? We were redeemed on Sunday. That's the day you reflect that Christ was raised on the first day of the week. He came from the tomb and met with his disciples. It was resurrection day. Every Sunday for us is resurrection day. Sunday, And we remember that and we rejoice in that. It is the day God's made for that kind of remembrance. And then number seven. Sunday Sabbath observance is just consistent with the fourth commandment. The fourth commandment doesn't say remember Saturday. It never says remember Saturday and keep Saturday set apart. It says remember the seventh day. And rest. It's the Sabbath. It's the rest day. We still have the same cycle. So Sunday doesn't mess with the language. We don't have to tweak the language. There's one day out of a seven day cycle. One day out of seven, God says, remember. And all Christ has done is change that one day from Saturday to Sunday. But it's still now the seventh day. Every seventh day. Remember the seventh day. Keep that cycle. And set it apart, so it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't affect our the language of the fourth commandment at all. It, it doesn't, in other words, the Sunday option doesn't kill the command or change the command in any way. It allows for Sunday without changing any of the language. Um, this is our day. It's the day Christ chose as the day to remember what he had done. He was working on Saturday. He wasn't resting. He worked for our redemption, and then he rested on Sunday. Um, there's so much in the Bible for the church that we learn by description as opposed to prescription. Think about that for a minute. Nowhere are we, is it prescribed. You must have a plurality of elders to rule over the church. We do have qualifications for elders in First Timothy um, 1, uh, excuse me three, and in Titus 1. And, and we do have in Acts 14 verse 26 that they appointed elders plural, appointed elders in every church. You see, that's a description of what they did. It's not a prescription. It doesn't say you must go forth and appoint elders plural in your church. We learn through the example of the the apostles. That's what they did. And they were trained by Christ to do it. And as they did it, we emulated it. So there's things like a church should be ruled by elders. And we get that practice because that's what the apostles did. And they described what they did to us so that we would know what to do. It's instruction by description as opposed to... um, Prescription, a specific command. Uh, there are other things like that, um, uh, infant baptism. Or you have descriptions of household baptisms. You have descriptions of baptism of John the Baptist. You have the pick you have the description of the baptism of Christ in Isaiah 52, that he will come sprinkling the nations. You have the description of Moses baptizing the covenant family and he sprinkles them with the hyssop branch. You have descriptions. And so as a result of that, we have the covenant sign of baptism and we do it the way it was described to do it as opposed to a certain prescription. Well, the same thing about the Sabbath day. There's there's many commands. I just won't take time to go through others. But the Sabbath day was described for us as to, this, as to be on Sunday. It was described for us by Christ. It was described for us by the apostles. It was described for us by the church as they took up offerings. It was described for us by the psalmist as he rejoiced in uh, the coming. It was described for us by Isaiah as he was rejoicing in the new heavens and new earth. I mean, it just keeps getting described. And so we know what to do because it's been done. And it's been done for us and it's been described for us without exception. Clearly, it is the Sabbath day. God doesn't want us to kill, you know, some Sunday option. The Sunday Sabbath is clear for us. I'll give me two quick applications. Number one, rejoice that God has continued a Sabbath rest for each of us. It's a rest day and the rest day is Sunday and rejoice that it's a gift if you are seeing Sunday to be a burden, you, you got something wrong. Sunday is supposed to be a blessing. It's a gift from God to stop and reflect upon redemption and creation. It's a day to, to reflect upon how good it is. I was thinking as I was looking at the Lord's table here as we were singing one of the songs about our hope is built on nothing less but in Christ and the thoughts that was going through my mind is Lord how good it is just to rest today that hell is off the table what a joy to remember at least once a week if I die today hell's off the table I don't have to worry my hope is built on nothing less than Christ and his righteousness and this is the day to rejoice and be glad in it so that that I'm not encumbered Tomorrow or the next day with fear and worry and anxiety about what's going to happen to me and what's going to go forth. If some of you are having that anxiousness every day of your life wondering is this all there is? What's going to happen? What if I die? If if you're filled with that anxiousness you're not taking the benefit of Christ and His day. A day where you rest in redemption. This is the day to remember hell's gone for me. I am secure in Christ. He has taken my hell. He has bore my sin. He has taken my penalty. He opens the doors of heaven for me. And I go in not because of anything I've done, but because of his righteousness, and that's why it's secure. So I hope you reflect upon that. Rejoice that God has given us that gift he says, "This day is not a burden, it's a blessing. It's a day where you really stop and reflect and remember the glories that are yours in Christ. Number two, recognize the rationality of the switch to a Sunday Sabbath and be unashamed to join Christ in his church on that day. I'm not ashamed of Sunday. I went back to my seven-day Adventist friend and said, "I'm not ashamed to worship Christ." On Sunday, I don't have the mark of the beast. I have the mark of Christ. I've been baptized by Christ, in Christ. I'm secure in Christ. You're still working for a salvation that you have not obtained. And your only hope will be when you rest in Christ and rest in Him fully. I'm not ashamed to put the glory on the resurrection of Christ. Christ died, was buried, and he rose on the first day of the week. And because of that, I rejoice and put all my hope in him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth that strengthens us. You are our strength and our redeemer. We don't meet by happenstance. This was never a question to the apostles or to Christ to meet on the first day of the week. Let us see the security we have in in joining with the saints before, the saints now, and the saints to come. Let us look forward to that great resurrection celebration where thousands and thousands before us from every nation, tribe, and tongue gather around the throne and worship our great Redeemer. Father, for those who are missing the beauties and the blessings of the Lord's day, we ask that you would give them your spirit now that they might turn from their sin and come and rejoice in Christ as their only hope. Lord, we thank you for the Lord's Supper, for the the blessings to stop and reflect and remember. We ask that you'd bless us with its taking now in Jesus' name. Amen.